Well, hello there, hockey fans. Welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. It is Tuesday, October 16th. Rick, it is we're halfway through October already. I can't even believe it. Uh, that is Mr. Rick Stevens, who is my fabulous co-host and the founder of Rocket Sports Media. Uh, I am Amy Johnson, your host and lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. And yeah, Rick, I mean, we're halfway through October already. We're two weeks into the season already. It's crazy. Indeed we are. And um, everybody's playing a few games, uh, some early trends starting to emerge in both the NHL and AHL. And there's all kinds of things to talk about today. So many things to talk about today. What like the general theme we have every week is that we have a jam-packed show, uh, and that rings true this week as well. So, uh, in our first segment today, we're going to just uh, give a little review of of how the Laval Rocket and the Lehigh Valley Phantoms have done in their first two weekends out of the gate. Um, some wins, some losses, some some things to take a look out there, uh, as well as kind of taking a, a deeper dive look at. Um, Briefly, just as far as opening night rosters, uh, particularly in Laval, where we all know that there was an overabundance of personnel that could be iced, um, taking a look at the the decisions that were made for opening night roster, uh, who is playing and and more notably who is not. Um, In addition to that, uh, just going to, to touch briefly on um, you know, Rick, you, Rick just used a great word, some, some trends that are, that are showing up. And it's not necessarily always trends in the product on the ice that we're seeing. There's some other trends in Laval that we're seeing as well. So we're going to talk a little bit about those, uh, as well as um, discussing kind of hand-in-hand hand with that, uh, some, some trends that we're seeing with some of the young players in the NHL club for the Montreal Canadiens and, and things that are going on there as well as far as some of those young prospects. Uh, in segment two, uh, the winners and losers was so popular the first time around. We're, of course, bringing it back. I think we're probably going to be bringing it back every week. So we've got winners and losers for, for Rick and I in segment two, as well as some general AHL news to cover, some pretty exciting things there. And then finally, in segment uh, three, we're going to wrap things up with uh, some news coming out of of junior hockey, uh, as well as a a kind of a mini where are they now update on a familiar face and voice that uh, will be will be plenty familiar to folks who have been following the Montreal Canadiens affiliate for quite some time uh, before we kind of give a preview of what we're covering this weekend and and where the teams go from here. Phew. Wow. Yeah. My goodness. I'm tired already. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm tired already, a, but it's going to be a good show. It was a fun weekend. Um, in the world of sports, we had my Vikings winning again. They're on a bit of a, a roll now. Um, your Eagles had the early game, right? Thursday game? Thursday game against division rival New York Giants. And, of course, we pounded them. It was a little bit closer than, wasn't it? Wasn't it a little bit close? Closer than you'd like? No. No? No. Okay. <laughs> Eli Manning oh, Eli Manning can't, I don't know who decided he should ever be a quarterback, but. I got three wins in fantasy football. I'm moving up the picks pool. Wow. Um, you know, we, we, we're, we're through the first week uh, in fantasy hockey. 
nice. the All Habs Fantasy Sports Leagues are are often running. It, actually, there's um, I don't remember wh- which league it is, but there's we we had one of the managers drop out. So if you're interested in um, over a team in fantasy hockey or fantasy football, get in touch with us, and we'll um, we'll get you going. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, happy to say that I am currently the only person undefeated in the All Habs 1 wow. Fantasy Football League. So, 5-0 on season so far. Yes, I do. Yeah. Pretty excited about that. that league. I suffered a loss. I don't remember who it was to. My I was to me because I am undefeated. <laughs> I see. That, that, would be, that would be the answer to that question. And I know we don't have time, but just to shoehorn in our our favorite national information from our national day uh, calendar. You know, it be- Rick, it better be good. We better have some good national days this week. I need some good things. Well, on the calendar today, uh, that is October 16th, is National Department Store Day. So I imagine all the folks at Sears are celebrating National Department, <laughs> or, or maybe they aren't, because they so just filed, filed Chapter 11. Wow. Um, it is cold. also National Dictionary Day, and there's a fellow I interacted with who had no idea what the word paraphrase meant. He needs a dictionary, a National Dictionary Day. Mm. Uh, Very important you, distinction. Yeah. For you, my friend, it is National Liqueur Day. So be sure that you whip up some sort of potion later on to take advantage. Our listeners are going to start thinking I'm an alcoholic because they get so excited about all of the national alcohol days. But no, just National Liqueur Day, like Mm -hmm. not a specific one, just all of them. Yeah, all of them. Yeah. Mix and match. I don't think that I should make like a Mille Milo of... Of liqueurs to celebrate National Liqueur Day, should I? And last but not least, it is National Bosses Day, and I'm still waiting for the the cards and goodies to come in, but apparently, apparently... Well, apparently you jumped the gun a little bit because your message hasn't gotten to you yet. Ah. Uh, yeah. Mm. Nice. Telegram. Coming by telegram. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mhm. <sighs> so well. that's our national day calendar. Quite a variety <laughs> for. I don't know who puts these things together. I don't know either, but according for your last one, there was going to be a message that was coming. So I will just we'll we'll put it out here on the podcast on behalf of the entire Rocket Sports team, we have the greatest boss around, and that's Mr. Rick Stevens, in case you didn't know. (laughs) Um, And he does a tremendous amount of work to keep the Rocket Sports Media brand up and running. And that's, you know, whether it's being executive producer for all four of our podcasts, um, being the, the managing editor and the administrator of every single one of our websites, managing the team itself, uh, doing, doing tons of editing, um, all of the website building, all of those kinds of things, all of the ins and outs. I mean, our boss does it all. He is, he's a one man, uh, just 
machine. Um, and a lot of, a lot of the work that he, a lot of the work you do is behind the scenes that uh, people do not see. And so it is our job to say thank you for all the hard work that you do to bring uh, our listeners and readers and followers, all of our platforms, all have hockey magazine, AHL report, uh, all of the podcasts and so forth, all of our live coverage um, and to give all of us team members a platform to uh, get to work in this fantastic sport that we love. So thank you. We're tipping our hats and stick tapping you today for National Bosses Day. Wow, that's that was really nice. That was fabulous. Um, thank you. And I, and uh, all of a sudden, when the spotlight is turned this way, it it uh, feels a little uncomfortable because, as you know, <laughs> yes, I like like the spotlight to be on the rest of the team, the writers, the photographers, the podcasters. Um, and everybody that helps put uh, put all of our our content together. So, um, well, we couldn't do it without you. So, thank you for all of your hard work. Well, thank you, thank you very much. And if you, hey, well, I'll just shamelessly plug here uh, since we're at it. If you would like to find out for yourself what a great boss Rick Stevens is, if you're ever interested in joining our team, whatever talent you have, if you're a writer, if you're a photographer, if you, whatever the case may be, uh, head on over to our join our team page and send in an application. And, you know, we're always looking for, for people to join the team and bring their creative talents to the team. We certainly are. All right. Should I move on to hockey? Okay. All right. Okay. Or, or would you like to stay on on national? No, not on me. No. no. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Okay. Well, let's let's first uh, let's just jump right into Laval. The Laval Rocket is two weekends into their season. And they opened their season on the road with two games. First up was Providence Bruins, and then they played the Hartford Wolfpack the following day. And then this past weekend, uh, they had their home opener, uh, back-to-back games, uh, in which they hosted the Binghamton Devils. And um, if there was a trend that came out of those four games, I would say, I would use the word inconsistency is the is the trending topic for the Laval Rocket right now because they basically did the exact same thing two weekends in a row, Rick. They opened up, so, you know, first night of the season, lots of energy. They're hyped up. They're ready to go. Even though they're on the road, they're playing the Providence Bruins, so it's kind of a, you know, that Habs-Bruins rivalry trickles down a little bit into into the Providence-Laval matchup there. So they're they're up. They're ready to go. Um and they actually find themselves down early in the game, but they come back in the third period, score three goals. Chapu, uh, Fraze, and Kulak all score in the third period, and they take uh, their season opener three to two. They turn around the next afternoon for an afternoon matinee in Hartford, and they get they they come out pretty well. They dominate most of the first period, and then they completely lose control of the game. The Wolfpack takes over, and Wolfpack beats them three to one. Kind of a not not a great showing the next day. Not as much energy, uh, things of that nature. So fast forward a week, and we get to the Friday night home opener. This past Friday, uh, Binghamton Devils are in town, and again. Of course, home opener, 
lots of energy and excitement in the building, ready to play in front of their fans. Uh, and sure enough, they, they go out and I mean, the first period was just a shooting gallery uh, and the rocket score four goals in the first period phrase with his second of the season, Sklenichka's Yevflavs and Grenier all score in the first period. Agostino scores in the third period. It's a, it's a complete dominant game by Laval. They beat the devils five to two the next day. Again, they have an afternoon matinee and what happens again on the second day, lackluster, no energy, completely look disorganized, not giving good effort. And they get beat two to one by the devils the following afternoon. The only redeeming thing in that game was that Jake Evans scored his first professional goal that day. And his was the only goal on the day. So, Rick, already out of the gate, you know, everyone is all hyped up about new coaching, uh, a mostly new roster, but the only two games that this team has won so far are two games in which naturally they'd really be up for lots of energy, lots of focus, lots of excitement. When they turn around less than 24 hours later, both times they fall flat. Um, I know it's early. I know it's only two weekends. They have three games coming up this week. Um, but is that an early indicator of of how this season is going to go? Is it going to be a roller coaster like that? Well, it's it's all we have to go on, and and I, I mean we can add uh, the what we, what we saw in training camp as well, uh, I suppose, and and maybe a, a little touch of what happened at the rookie tournament um, uh, because the coaching staff was consistent all the way through, and and as you said, they've been consistently inconsistent. Um, and it's, it's, it's kind of what happens when, I, I mean, this team is, is, is supercharged and it's, it's riding on emotion. It's, it's all emotion, um, more emotion at this point, it's more emotion than systems right now. Um, mm-hmm. and, and we see them, it's like they get fired out of a cannon. Um, and that, that, uh, the game against Binghamton, their home opener, uh, outshot um, Binghamton 16 to five in the first period. There were six goals scored in that first period. They uh, not all by Laval. They had a four to two lead um, going into the intermission, and they just—it's all based on emotion, and that's riding the emotions of their very fiery coach. Um, mm-hmm. And and you just wonder, um, can you sustain that? Can you can young players? Um, who are or are trying to develop can 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 they maintain that for a 76 game schedule or into the the playoffs um how how does that work exactly and and I and we're going to find out um mm-hmm. you know Joe Bouchard's not the first uh coach who who tries to inject emotion um into his team um, but we, we also have a, a track record of those kinds of coaches and, and, and how successful they've been. So we'll, we'll see what happens. It's early, but, but it seems that, that we're going to be riding a bit of a roller coaster with this team through, through the year. What's interesting, you mentioned, uh, you know, in that, in that home opener with Binghamton, uh, the out shooting in the, in the first period and so forth. What's concerning for me uh, is is the next day when they played Binghamton again in the afternoon at three o'clock, and Binghamton beat them two to one in that game. 
The Rocket outshot the Devils in that game 41-15. to Let me repeat that. 41-15, to and they lost 2-1. to That, to me, big concern. And the one thing that uh, I noticed, I think I even made a comment to you about it uh, over the weekend, is that yet again, and and – for everyone who likes to think that the systems this year are suddenly going to be different because Joel Bouchard is behind the bench, allow me allow me to to clear up that myth for the last time. The systems in the Montreal Canadiens AHL affiliate have been the same as the systems in the NHL club for years, years and years and years. I, I don't care what anyone is saying to make it sound like maybe – uh, maybe they have a little control over things. It's the systems in Montreal are the same as the systems in the AHL affiliate, whether that was Hamilton, whether it was St. John's and whether it's in Laval. So let's just clear that up first and foremost. And for the final time, because frankly, I'm, I'm tired of people thinking that this is some new concept that, Oh, maybe, maybe they're playing the same style. Yes. They've been playing the same systems for years. And so my concern in a game where you get, where you outshoot your opponent 41 to 15, but you lose two to one, you score one goal in the entire game. Is that a problem that the Canadians have had for a long time is that they shoot a ton, but they shoot from the perimeter. They don't ever get in tight to the crease. They don't ever get into the slot. They don't get into the middle. They don't get into traffic. They're shooting a ton, but it's all from the perimeter. And it's, it's shots that maybe they'll deflect in somehow. Maybe they'll sneak one past a goaltender short side or something like that. But, but they're not quality shots. And that's a problem that's been, Rick, you, you know, that's a problem in, that's been a problem in Montreal for a long time. Well, um, yeah, I mean, if if you're playing with emotion, if 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 all of if you're driven by emotion during the game, are you playing smart hockey? Um, that, that's what I would ask. And and um, you know, if you need a recent example, you said uh, it's been a problem in Montreal for a long time. If you need a recent example, look at the game Canadians played against the Kings. They outshot the Kings by a wide margin, 40 to 29 in that game. Uh, and they were shut out, 3-0. Um, it's, it's kind of similar to, to what you're describing. Um, and in that game, if you look at those shots, uh, of the 43, yes, three of 40 were from a high, high danger area. Three. three that's shot. Yeah, that, that's helpful. Um, so it, it, it doesn't matter to, you know, Claude Julian has, has, was accused, um, of padding his Corsi, uh, you know, padding his, his, his shot totals when he was in Boston and he likes, uh, teams to shoot from all over the ice. And it's something that Max Pacioretty has complained about and we see what happened to Max and, Mm -hmm. um, so it was something that was supposed to um, change this year. But but as you said, the, the systems, uh, whatever's happening in Montreal is going to happen in Laval. It's been that way throughout Mark Bergevin's tenure since uh, 2012. The the reason, and, and there's there's a good reason, uh, is that that the system, whether it be the four-checking system, 
the the coverage in your own end, the the power play, the the uh, the PK, whatever it is, they want the systems the same, so that it for the call ups, uh, it's easy to adapt when when you get to Montreal. I understand that. Um, it it removes some of the the decision making and um, and control from the AHL team, and I think. At this point, that's what Joel Bouchard is struggling with. He's talking about, oh, no, this is my team. I'll do what I want. But we know that's not true. I, to save face publicly, I understand that's what he has to say. To, but um, we, we, we know that's not true. So I, I, I think that, yeah, there's two things going on in, in, in Laval right now. Uh, that's that they're following the, the Canadian system and that they're playing uh, very emotional hockey, and that's um, that's that's good sometimes. But can you can you maintain that game in game out? Yeah. Well, in fact, in all four of those games that they've played, their record is two and two. They've outshot their opponents in every single one of those games, but they only won twice. So something's got something's got to give there. But you know, you talk about how they're playing with a lot of emotion and how a lot of that can also be reflective of of their new coach. Um, Rick, I know we've we've talked before uh, about a couple of weeks ago. We had we had talked about how um, during the rookie tournament, um, Joel Bouchard had had uh, quite a big reaction with uh, all of the young players during the rookie tournament. Um, in chastising them about and not being, not being happy with their reaction when teammates were, were dangerously hit on the ice and things of that nature. We've, we've heard then uh, in training camp that practices were exceptionally um, either long or very intense. um, And that, um, you know, he's, he's the common theme has been, he's not afraid to, uh, proclaim his displeasure at something if if things aren't going uh if he's not seeing what he wants to see and just this afternoon RDS um had has a feature about something that happened today at practice with Laval where yet again uh Joel Bouchard visibly got very angry with the team and cut practice short today now today is the last practice that they have before their next game, they have, they'll have a morning skate tomorrow, but, but they play a game uh, at home tomorrow night. Um, apparently the team looked pretty uh, lackadaisical today at practice um, and apparently wasn't giving the effort that he was expecting. And he cut practice short. Um, a quote from him in, in this article, keep in mind, this is translated from French. So it's, it may not be, uh, you know, exactly how he said it in French, but translated from French, he says, I'm not happy because everything was fine. They came back with average training on Monday and today they're not good. I could understand that a little relaxation occurs if we had four victories, but I think too, when everyone tells you that you're good, you're fine, you're nice, you look good, you work hard, you start to believe it a little. And I think that's what's happened in practice and says, I'm sorry, but I do not accept that. We have a job to do. I asked for 40 minutes of practice. If they're not able to do that, we'll stop them at 26 and we'll start the next day. I will not waste my time on the ice. 
Uh, and he spent a lot of time actually talking about how, uh, you know, all weekend the, the hype has been around Thomas Placanitz, uh celebrating his thousandth NHL game last night in Montreal. And, and he spent a lot of time apparently today talking about how these young players need to be looking at a professional like Thomas Placanitz and, and what it takes to achieve that kind of milestone in your NHL career and that you can't take a day off and you have to work hard every day. But man, uh, you know, this is, we're, we're very, very early into this, this young season. Um, and this is at least the third time that we've heard of Joel Bouchard uh being very emotional at, at practice or admonishing his players very vocally at practice. Um, and I, I know you said earlier, you know, is that something that young players can, can sustain that kind of intensity? You know, I saw someone on, on Twitter say today in response to this, that they quote, love the passion and intensity of this coach at any level that he, that he coaches at. Um, do you think this is going, going to be an, an effective, methodology for this young group you know the the players of course are saying they all love it um but but what what do you think is is this as you said earlier is this sustainable for 76 games throughout the season do the players dare say anything else um this 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 um blowing up in practice um you know a coach can can get away with that um a couple of times a season, I guess, maybe, um, you know, and, and it's, it's the kind of stuff that always makes it to, to TSN or whatever, the coach in Calgary and he fired his stick up into the, the stands during all of that kind of stuff. Um, it, 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 it's used to get the attention of your team. But if it's your only move, it's your, if it's the only thing you're doing and, and you do it you know, on a regular basis, the act wears a little thin. And, and I understand that Joe Bouchard has zero professional, uh, zero coaching experience, uh, uh, coaching professionals. Um, I get that. But um, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's okay to demand accountability of your players. I, that's, Absolutely. That's, that's perfectly fine. But um, this, 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 these dramatic performances that seem to be more tailored to for for the media than anybody else. I mean, I'm I was shocked that um, you know coaches. Okay, a coach can can blow up and then go to go to his office, calm down, and come out and be professional, uh, you know, to, for the media interviews. But Laval posted a very angry uh, rant um, by Bouchard. It was angry. It was sarcastic. Um, you know, he's talking about being professional. I, I think he's the one, th- these, these, these young players are there for development. He, he has to be there example and and not you know uh, an example of someone who has uh, anger issues um i i don't know it's uh, in the past uh, on that coaching staff there uh, there was a coaching staff with uh, and they had several stanley cup rings uh, amongst them so their egos were secure 
they didn't have to get involved in all these uh, dramatics. I, I'm just I'm just worried that yes, this this passion and intensity can have you know short term boosts for a team can can inject yeah. a little adrenaline into them, but after a while the act starts wearing a little thin and and um, I, I just hope that doesn't happen. And 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 okay, maybe he's had his three rants for the season, and 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 we won't see this again. Sure, um, that's very possible. But uh, yeah, it's it's a little odd, very odd. Let's say. Yeah. The other the other thing that I have a little bit of trouble with is that uh, according to the RDS article, uh, the first time that he stopped practice today. Um to to have some words he used and i'm i'm quoting from the article here it says he quote used a mix of words in english and french that can't be transcribed in this article um i'm i'm guessing the second time it was all in in english i would i would imagine but i'm a little concerned i i understand french is his is his first language and native language but there are plenty of players on this team who don't speak French fluently. Um, and so I understand if you're, if you're emotional about something, you're angry about something that you, you might use a little bit of that Franglish. Um, but in order to effectively communicate to players, it needs to be done in English so that they all can understand his concerns, what he's, what he's not happy with, what they need to improve, what it is he's looking for. Um, so I, I'm, I'm hoping that that doesn't turn into a trend as well, and and hopefully that was just a just uh, an outcome of of an emotional moment. And what was posted um, that I saw was was all in French too. So that that's why it seems to be more tailored, more of a media rant than um, if he was trying to get through to his players, uh, he'd address them. Um, you know, the 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 locker room, the bench, um, the. Uh, we're, we're a bilingual city, but but uh, it's it's uh, it's English uh, that's spoken on the bench and in the locker room. So if he wants to get through to his players, he he needs to um, make sure that he's clear. That's right. So we'll see. Uh, you know, that being said, Laval. You know, I don't want to sound like this is all doom and gloom. Laval has shown uh, has had some good moments. Um, in in their wins, uh, you know it's nice to see some offense happening. Um, you know they've scored a total of nine goals in four games, um, so good to see. Uh, you know how how some of the lines are coming together. Uh, I should, I guess, it kind of leads us into into what the roster is is looking like right now. Um, and it's so far, Rick, the, that top line has been Kenny Agostino, um, by, uh, sorry, uh, Chapu uh, has been up there. And Alex Belzile actually got a promotion after the first or second game up to the first line. Um, so Agostino, Chapu, Belzile have been up on the first line. Shinkarik, McCarran, Alan on the second. Uh, Yevflavs, Evans, and Fraze. And then Audette, Vedemo, and Grenier on the fourth line. Um, just briefly, I just want to ask, uh, you know, do you think this is the best execution of, of the roster that they have available to them? And my question is, where is Jeremiah Addison? He hasn't played a game yet. Yeah. Um, 
and that was uh there was there was uh five players that uh you know were were um sent to the ECHL and and dispersed amongst the league and and uh um you know uh, how are those um they will be uh, called on. I, I'm assuming at some point during the the season. How are they going to be kept connected? Um, that's going to be interesting. Um, I, I, you know that they should have. Uh, well, um, I, I guess it's it's chemistry, it's systems, it's um, uh, been been kind of an issue. That the 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 PK uh, which was a problem last season has looked pretty good. Uh, the the Rocket have the second best uh, penalty kill in the league, uh, over ninety percent. Um, but uh, the penalty kill um, is the second worst, or sorry, the the power play is the second worst in the league. Um, and so they are not finding the the right combination. And you know, frankly, uh, um, at at six point three percent, they're they're not they're going to for a team that's going to be emotional and, and uh, they're going to need their power play to give them a boost. Um, and when you remove, and I've talked about this before, when you remove uh, the points uh, from the power play, like a Matt Teramina, like a Chris Terry, like an Adam Cracknell, uh, that seems to have had some kind of effect and they haven't figured mm-hmm. out a way of putting together the right combination of players to uh, get a successful power play going. Um, Kenny Agostino and uh, Michael Chaput have both, you know, they are kind of proven at what they can do in the AHL and, and they continue to do that this year. They've been uh, quite noticeable uh, offensively on the forward lines there. Um, Daniel Audette has been, I, I hate to say a bit invisible, but not making much of an impact down on the fourth line. Um, Hunter Shinkarik, I actually am, am waiting to see a little bit of a breakout from him. Haven't haven't seen much uh, from from him either. Now the defensive pairings kind of get mixed around a lot. It looks like we're not. Uh, it looks like coaches haven't haven't set what those pairings are going to be because uh, they kind of rotate pretty frequently. Um, Sklenichka has has had some some good moments. Brett Learnout has been very solid, as you know. We we have said that he had a good case to stay in Montreal, so he's he's doing well um, down down with the Rocket as well. Um, and so far, Rick, they're sticking with the three goaltenders, uh, which happened to work out um, this past weekend when when um, Charlie Lindgren had to go to Montreal on an emergency call-up with Carey Price out for the flu. So Etienne Marcoux was, was there to back up Michael McNiven. But but so far, um, Lindgren has had three of the four starts uh, so far with, with McNiven doing most of the backup duties. So it's interesting how, the, you know, will we see Jeremiah Addison at all this week? The team plays three times. Um, I certainly... I certainly hope so. I would, uh, at some point, he's not being served in his development at all by by watching from from the press box every night. So I'm certainly hoping that we're going to see a young Jeremiah Addison on the ice very soon. Um, go ahead. And for me, it's it's um, you know they've been relying so far 
on the Byron phrases, the the Chapuz, the Agostinos. Um, what what um, I, I'd like to see is this is this is a developmental league, and we want to see uh, the opportunities given to those players drafted uh, by the Canadians, whether it be Vedamo, whether it be uh, Jake Evans, who um, uh, has has looked pretty good in a limited kind of role. Has looked pretty good. Kale Flurry signed his contract mm-hmm. and, and got into action. And, and you mentioned Brett Lernat, who's looked solid um, throughout. So those are the kinds of players that you, uh, not to discredit the others, but but that you have a special eye for because those are the ones who need the development and and are most likely uh, candidates for uh, for call-ups in in the either near or, or long, long-term future. That being said, however, when we turn our eyes to the parent club in Montreal, a little concerning that two uh, very solid prospects in Jacob Delarose and Nikita Sherbeck have not played a single game of NHL action in the regular season so far this year. And just today, Delarose was placed on waivers. Um, I imagine that's Perhaps Nicola Delorier is is coming back, and they needed to to make room on the roster for that. Um, I find this very concerning. Uh, Delarose, yes, uh, couldn't start the regular season because had uh, had a bit of a um, a medical condition that kept him out for a couple of games but hasn't been given an opportunity. We, we've seen plenty of Matthew Pekka. And, and on a night last night where Shaw uh, was out with the flu, in my opinion, it, it would have been natural to, to bring Nikita Schur back in and get him his first regular season game for the year. But no, uh, Pekka was the one who came back in again. Um, so you've got Della Rose, who was a regular on this roster for a good portion of – he was in Montreal all, all last season, didn't play every game, but, but was a very big, impactful, contributing factor in, in many different ways, not necessarily always on the goal-scoring sheet, but in many different ways, um, and certainly has plenty of upside to offer. Isn't given a single sniff in the lineup during the regular season yet. And Nikita Sherback is – just like my concern for Jeremiah Addison at the AHL level, who has watched every game from the press box, so has Nikita Sherback. And that is not helping Nikita Sherback's confidence. That's not helping his experience. That's not helping anyone to assess how his development has come along. Um, again, I feel like I feel like this is a horse that we have to beat all the time. That it's just, where is the focus on, on the young prospects who the, Canadians have drafted and and making sure their development is a priority. Well, and 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 I've explained this before, uh, so I'm going to explain it once again. That there are three aspects to being successful with with your product uh, prospects, and the first is drafting, drafting well. Um, there's lots of critics out there um, about uh, about the Canadians' draft record. They're just it's silly. The, the the Canadians draft well. Trevor Timmons is is one of the best in the in um, in hockey. Um, Rick Dudley was as well. He was helping out in that regard, um, uh, identifying prospects. Uh, there's few better than than Trevor Timmons. 
then there's the development in in uh, BHL and and elsewhere, and and um, from a developmental uh, standpoint, uh, Sylvain Lefebvre was was excellent. Not success uh, in the AHL standings, but in development, being able to promote players. Uh, we talked about it last last uh, year in the podcast. Twenty five players mm-hmm. last year were in the NHL that that went through uh, his his uh, tutelage. Um, but the third aspect is is um, transition, and that is uh, that requires uh, the the successful transition by the NHL coach. and And Michelle Terrien and Claude Julian are two of the worst at it. Uh, and that's why the, where the Canadians stumble each and every year. You saw Nikita Sherbeck um, was brilliant last year at the start of the AHL. So he dominated the, the AHL, got called up, uh, and then got, you know, spot duty here and there. Uh, was good when, when, when uh, given an opportunity, um, but always seemed to be under the thumb um, of, of Julian. And even, you know, Post game, he he scored a shorthanded goal and he apologized for it because he said <laughs> he knew the coach would be would be mad at him for staying on the ice when when the Canadians were shorthanded. But he couldn't pass up the the uh, breakaway opportunity to, that he had. Yeah, it, it was ju- it just gave an insight into the way uh, Julian deals with uh, players like that, particularly uh, Russian players. And and um, you know Julian has always. Uh, uh, put, you know, players. Uh, a couple of years ago, it was Martinson and Ott uh, ahead of of De La Rose. Last year, it was um, you know he he loved the Byron Fraze and Logan Shaw. Um, but uh, speaking sp- specifically of 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 De La Rose, um, he was solid uh, in his third or fourth line role last year. And when he got the opportunity to play with skilled players. Um, centering a top line with Galchenyuk and and, and others, um, he he went on a point streak. Um, I I referenced last night with uh, the Canadians up six uh, one after the second period. I said, are we heading towards another ten one, uh, which the Canadians did uh, last December? Um, who was the first line center uh, on that night? Jacob De La Rose. It was when Duran was out with his injury. Um, he's De La Rose has size. He has a good skater. He protects the puck. He's good at both ends of the ice. Um, he's very versatile. You can place him up and down the lineup. Uh, for some reason, um, the organization prefers Pekka, who was signed to a very generous contract in the off season, a career AHLer. Uh, has a lot less experience in the in the NHL than De La Rose does, um, and has been terrible. Was terrible in the preseason. Was terrible in the uh, first couple of games uh, defensively. He got a couple of of um, assists. Great passer, good skater, uh, but small and gets bumped off the puck and and gets turned inside out. And is uh, just his defensive awareness isn't isn't uh, as strong as as De La Rose. Um, so we'll see what happens. We'll see if, if, uh, De La Rose makes it through waivers or, uh, if he's one of these players, as we've seen, um, select players taken, picked up off of waivers this season and moving to new opportunities with new teams. Well, and the interesting thing will be if he, if he 
I believe that he is valuable enough to be claimed off waivers. If, however, for whatever reason, he he clears waivers, now we're back into another situation where who's going to be the centerman in Laval who's going to lose a roster spot to make room for Jacob Delarose to come in? Is it going to be a Vedamo? Is it going to be a Jake Evans um, instead of, you know, a Michael Chaput or or something of that nature? So it'll be interesting to see how all of that shakes out. Uh, I just want to switch gears just very briefly, just to give a little uh, review of just how the Phantoms have been doing so far this year as well. Uh, we did make it. Uh, Rick and I were, were in attendance for a Phantoms Thunderbirds game in, in Allentown at the PPL Center last Friday night. Uh, so far, the Phantoms have played uh, three games so far this year, uh, and they currently are 2-1 and one on the season. Uh, the one loss that they did have was, in fact, that game on Friday night. It was an absolute blowout. The team hasn't looked that terrible top to bottom <laughs> uh, in in a very long time they were shut out seven to nothing by the Springfield Thunderbirds um, however they redeemed themselves the next night they went to Springfield the next night for Springfield's home opener and beat them in the shootout uh, at Springfield for their home opener so um, it's very kind of it's a very lopsided game, Rick, that, that you and I saw, but, um, you know, some good firepower going on in, in Lehigh Valley. Uh, Nick Albe-Kubel is, is there. Uh, Carson Torinsky has been, has been quite good. Greg Carey's been good. Um, and Taylor Lear is actually down there, not uh, having made the Flyers roster this year. Um, so, they also have an abundance of goaltenders. Uh, Alex Lyon is close to coming. Uh, actually, he's been reactivated off of IR. So um, they also have a three goaltender situation going on right now. So uh, it was an interesting game that we saw, but the the Phantoms look like they, they have a strong team this year again. Yeah, it was tough. They, they didn't do anything right that particular night. Um, you know, they looked sloppy. They couldn't connect on, on any passes. Um, uh, defensively, um, they, they looked a bit lost and, um, the goaltending hasn't been, hasn't been terrible, but it hasn't, hasn't been great either. Um, there is, uh, there's, you know, the, the, some odd goals, some goals that, that just shouldn't go in, uh, in particular in that game, there was a, a, a Springfield goal that was uh, from a bad angle that was scored with about five seconds left in the first period uh, on Carter Hart that um, it just it, it shouldn't have gone in and and um, and seemed to be, you know, um, a, a, a bad omen for the rest of the night. Um, Stolars came in was OK, um, and, but he, he, too, gave. Uh, he gave up three goals on 16 shots. Uh, Hart four goals on 16 shots. Uh, so it, it, yeah, the goaltending is going to get ironed out, and, and part of that, I guess, has just been um, probably for the goaltenders knowing where they're going to play. Given that, you know, um, all of the injuries that happened um, in with with Parent Club with Neuwirth and, and um, uh, with with uh, Cal Pickard coming in and and uh, it's it's just been a bit of a, a shuffle, um, so maybe that will stabilize once once everybody figures out where where they're going to be. Uh, well, it's um, 
as as we said, you know, they're they're ones that they we've heard even players say that they they know that they have uh, even more eyes on them this year after having deep they went into the Calder Cup playoffs last year, making it to the conference final. Um, and so they're looking to have something to prove and show that they, they can contend yet again this year. Um, maybe it was just one of those games that needed to get out of their system early on in the season. Um, didn't look great, but it was very, the, the one thing that Coach Scott Gordon did say uh, to us, I, I asked in the postgame presser that night, you know, what do you do now with your team to go into Springfield for their home opener tomorrow night? And, and basically he just kept repeating and telling us he, they, they can't play like they did tonight. They have to show that they can show up ready, ready to play hockey and not make the mistakes that they made tonight. And that's exactly what they did, turning around and beating them in the shootout. So that's a good indication that they were resilient and able to get back on their, on their skates again. Um, we'll see how, how things shake out for them this coming week as well. They've got some, some uh, fun and, and tough matchups ahead of them this week as well. We are going to take a quick break, uh, grab a drink of water and, but don't you go anywhere. We're going to, we'll be back right after this quick commercial break with our winners and losers of the week. So don't go away. We will be right back. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. You know, when we get on to uh, topics, Rick, that we're very passionate about and we have a lot of opinions about, we um, we really get on a roll. And so our first segment there was uh, was pretty lengthy, but I think we covered a lot of really good information. Uh, so we're going to not waste any time getting right into our second segment, which is our winners and losers this week. Um, mm. Do we want to start with the, the the good guys or the bad guys this week? Let's do the winners. Let's do the winners. Okay. Well, I'm going to actually, uh, I'm going to say that my winner this week is AHL TV. Uh, tip of the hat to, to the league. We talked about the fact that this season, a, the AHL was, was offering a new streaming service uh, uh, evol- evolved from AHL Live in past years uh, called AHL TV. Um, and kudos to them for, for rolling it out, making it happen. Uh, it is much more affordable for, for fans, um, exponentially more affordable for fans, um, and, and has a lot of great features comes with a, a, a data stream from the AHL statistics site. Um, so that 
if you're if you're watching the stream um, in a kind of a, a compact video mode, you you get full uh, stat packages that update live uh, along the side, and it just makes uh, it, it makes the, the viewing experience a little more informational for fans and really kind of gets them involved in the game a bit more. Uh, and so my winner this week is, is to AHL TV for, for successfully rolling out and being uh, an affordable way and in kind of a, a fun interactive way for fans to, to really get to pay more attention to AHL hockey and follow their favorite teams because this really is a superb league with, with some great hockey to watch that you really don't want to miss. Nicely done. Mm-hmm. Well, my winner of the week was Zach Redmond. Zach Again? Redmond from Rochester uh, Americans, seventh overall in scoring right now in the in the AHL. Wow! Leads all de- he leads all defensemen um, with two goals and five assists. Um, so my winner was going to be. Zach Redmond, but as you said again, um, my winner <laughs> last Zach week Redmond was show. Zach Redmond. So <laughs> the winners and losers commissioner put the kibosh on on that particular selection. So sorry, really? Zach, uh, you would have been my my winner, um, but um, I, I had to pick an alternate and uh, couldn't decide on if it wasn't Zach. Couldn't decide on one, so pick two, uh, who will share the honor this week. Uh, one is Kirby Reichel. We all remember Kirby Reichel uh, mm-hmm. traded from the Leafs to, to the Canadians uh, last season um, and was with Laval for a short period of time. Um, then in the uh, preseason or, or, or prior to the season uh, was shipped off to Calgary, Hunter Shankarik coming back um, with the with the Stockton Heat right now, uh, Kirby Reichel is top ten in the league in scoring. Wow! In four games, he has four goals, uh, four goals in four games, added two assists, so six points in four games uh, for Kirby Reichel. Um, but there's another guy who also has six points. Uh, he's also a, a, a name that's uh, familiar, and that's Dan Carr. Nice, um, Dan Carr. Uh, off to the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights uh, uh, organization, and presently with the Chicago Wolves. And I should say, the Chicago Wolves are are going to be one of my teams to watch this uh, this year. So far in the season, they're unbeaten. I think they've, I think they're going to be a powerhouse this this season. Yeah. Um, and Dan Carr, a big part of that. He, in four games, he has one goal, five assists, for six points. Uh, six wow. points in, in, in four games. So uh, Dan Carr and Kirby Reichel get my honors as winners of the week. Fantastic. And Zach Redman. So lots of, lots of former faces, but all finding uh, plenty of success, which is, which is nice to see. I will also add that Dan Carr is a plus five on the season so far as well, mm. which is pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. So that brings us to our losers of the week. Um, and I know I'm going to sound like you're all having deja vu, but my loser this week is AHL TV. Didn't you just pick them as a winner? I did. I am picking them as my winner and my loser this week. I gave you the reasons why I thought they were a winner. Well, they're my half winner. <laughs> 
Um, I commend the league on, as I said, everything I said about why I picked them as my winner rings true. Um, it's affordable. It helps bring more visibility to the league. Uh, the data stream and the interactive uh, capabilities are very nice for fans um, and things of that nature. However, um, you know, I know they touted, you know, watching. Well, and, and another thing I they did forget to mention on the winning column is how many different platforms you can watch it on. I can, you know, I can watch it on Amazon Fire if if you want on your tab, tablet, your mobile phone. Uh, Roku, I think they've added an app as well. So you can watch it on many different platforms. However, and I understand that this isn't the league per se, it's, it's a, it's a rink by rink kind of thing, but not every rink has uh, HD quality video output. Um, so while yes, it is less expensive to watch uh, and, and there are aspects of it that are a little more HD quality. Um, there are also rinks that still have very poor video quality that make it very difficult to see what you're seeing on the ice, which I guess if you're paying less for it this year, you're not quite so angry about it, but it's, it's frustrating um, when you're trying to watch a game on AHL TV. And even when you have it expanded to full screen on a very large monitor and you can't read numbers on the backs of people's jerseys, it's a little, it's a little challenging. Um, opening weekend and, I, and I'm sure, you know, there were bugs to, to, to clean up opening weekend and whatnot, but um, I've, I've experienced uh, there's been audio issues so far. Um, I had been hoping that the data streaming was incorporated into the actual uh, as kind of an overlay into the video feed. Um, because for me personally, when I watch uh, a game on AHL, uh, TV. I watch it full screen. I, I because I I need to see as much as of the action as I can and and read numbers and see who's on the ice uh, for certain line combinations and so forth. So the data stream doesn't help me in that aspect because it's always covered up. Uh, so um, yeah. So it's it's. I'm sure it's going to improve. I'm sure they're going to continue to improve it. There are plenty of things that I think are great about it, but there's still some things that I think they need to work on as well. And part of it is is perhaps finding a way to get funding to each individual AHL affiliate to bring their technological capabilities up to a, a better standard for video quality across the board. Hmm. Well, hopefully we see um, with more subscribers um, uh, at, at the lower price point, hopefully that those changes can can happen and, and, and it'll evolve uh, to a better product. Mm-hmm. My loser is um, not a person, not a player. Um, it, it is the Toronto Marley's goaltending situation. <laughs> uh-huh. So I'm not directing this at any particular goaltender or I wouldn't do that. It's just they're in a difficult situation. And and just to reprise, um, the Leafs kept uh, Garrett Sparks. Uh, Garrett Sparks, being the best goaltender in the AHL last season, kept him as a backup to Frederick Anderson uh, and then put two of their, their uh, goaltenders on waivers uh, with the intention to send them to the Marlies. Um, that was Cal Pickard, who we talked about, who went to the, the Flyers, 
Chris McElhaney, who who's doing pretty well with the Hurricanes, by the way. Um, so those both of their goaltenders um, for the Marlies were picked up and left them in a difficult situation. Um, so they they now have Casimir Kess. I'm going to say this wrong. Kassasuo, 25 year old undrafted goalie from Finland. Uh, played in the NCAA for UMD for a while. Has played the Wolves, played the Marlies a little bit here and there. And the other goalie they have is Jeff Glass, uh, 32-year-old veteran, uh, kind of a, a name we know. Played about 15 games with the Blackhawks last season and, and, and had a bit of notoriety being a, um, you know, a goaltender from the 2004 draft that, that that actually uh, was making a difference and, and, and help. And, and he had spent a long time in the KHL as well, but with their injury troubles in Chicago, glass came in and, and was able to help them out for a short period of time. Um, so uh, Jeff glass so far has played uh, three games for the Marlies and has given up 10 goals. He has Holy. an O two O two and O record a uh, 487 goals against average Oof. and an 844 save percentage. Oh yeah. And Casasuo's, yeah, he, um, he has the distinction of having so far in this young season, given up the most goals by any goal oh, in the AHL. He's given up uh, 15 in four games. Oh, so he has a one, two, and zero. He got he got a win in there, one, two, and zero record so far. Uh, five, three, one goals against average. A five point <clears throat> three one goals against average and an eight sixty save percentage. Actually, his save percentage is is up above glasses. So uh, they're having their their issues with goaltending. Um, the uh, Calder Cup champions are, and. Um, so it's going to be uh, an interesting season uh, for them. Goodness. Uh, currently, they are in last place in the North Division uh, with their 1-4 and four record, and they have lost their last four games. So it looks like their first game was the one that they won and haven't been able to do that again since. So we'll see if Toronto can turn that around. Uh, I should mention... Um, in addition to AHL TV, the AHL has announced a couple of other viewing opportunities for games this season. Um, yet again, uh, they are partnering with the NHL Network to air a select number of games throughout the season, and that schedule can be found uh, on the AHL.com. Um, in addition, another interesting addition that they've added this year is that every Friday night, they will have a live game available to watch for free on Facebook watch uh, on Facebook's TV apps. So um, if you go to the AHL's Facebook page, um, you can add games to your watch list there. uh, And every Friday night, the AHL will be offering live AHL action for free on Facebook watch. So they're doing a good job at really trying to, to, spread out the viewing opportunities and increase traffic. So I, I kudos to Dave Andrews and the, and the league on embracing today's technology and social media platforms and, and finding new ways to reach new audiences. Nice again. 
Um, just briefly in AHL news, uh, we should mention the CCM AHL Player of the Week uh, comes from uh, the Eastern Conference and is one of Zach Redman's teammates, actually. It's Rochester Americans forward Victor Olofsson. Uh, he has played in the last three games last week. He had three goals and four assists for seven points in three games. Two of those goals were game-winning goals. Uh, so he is the CCM AHL Player of the Week. And uh, Rochester is is just kind of really screaming along there. They're, th- they're third in the North Division with a 3-2 and two record um, and, a, and are on a three-game winning streak. So... Stick tap to Mr. Victor Olofsson, who is the CCM AHL Player of the Week. Well done. And also want to tip our hats to our friends uh, at the Syracuse Crunch. It uh, was announced late last week that Syracuse Crunch, in partnership with Onondaga County, uh, had announced a 12-year lease extension. My at the War Memorial Arena. So they are committed now to have hockey with Syracuse Crunch at the War Memorial in Syracuse through the 2029-2030 season. <laughs> so they are not going anywhere. Uh, they, this is their 25th, season, 25th anniversary season this year, uh, and they are, they are locked in for another 12 years at the War Memorial Arena. So congratulations to Syracuse on, on signing a really big contract. So we'll be climbing those ladders at the um, War Memorial Arena for uh, to get to the breast box for the next few years. Many, I guess. many years to come. That's right. <laughs> many now, years to come. They've had um, they put some money into it, not not into the breast box as far as I know, uh, but they've um, in the north end of the the arena they're putting in um, or they have over the summer they spent eight and a half million dollars to put in six luxury suites um nice and each of those suites is going to be named after a, a branch of the military um which Very is nice. kind of nice um they put in a, a new jumbotron they've they've got uh, new fixtures in the bathrooms and done some work to the concessions so we're looking forward to um to getting there and seeing seeing all the improvements uh in syracuse can't wait hopefully we will be there soon we are going to take another quick break uh, before we come back to wrap things up with uh, segment three with a couple more updates from uh, from junior hockey and then a preview of what's up ahead this week. So stay right where you are. Don't go anywhere. After this quick commercial break, we will be right back. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at The AHL Report. 
Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL Report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at All Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. We are back. And, you know, before we get into uh, what I teased there before the commercial break uh, with with the rest of the things that we're going to talk about today, um, I did want to throw things over to Rick just for a moment because I think you also have some interesting AHL news that you wanted to share as well. Just a couple of things. And, and one of it, uh, one of um, the pieces of news, um, just the connections of people that we've talked about before. And Chris Terry, um, I mentioned earlier, training mm-hmm. NHL spring champion, uh, moved over to, uh, was signed by Detroit Red Wings in the off season. Um, and um, it was named, I think it was last week, was named uh, an alternate captain with the Grand Rapids Griffins. Um, and he is uh, a winger on on their top line, uh, as you might expect uh, the reigning NHL scoring champion to be after his um, 71 point season last year. Um, but he, on the other wing um, is Philip Zadina, and um, Zadina, we know that that he was projected to go as high as as third. Um, in the draft, he fell uh, a bit when, when the Canadians uh, went in a different direction and wanted to take a center with Kakanyemi. And so Zena fell into the lap of, of the Red Wings and the Red Wings. Well, at least Ken Holland is not, um, you know, is, is not known for putting an 18 year old in, in uh, the Detroit lineup. So, um, and we, we, we probably saw uh, a good reason last night when they faced the Canadians, it's not a very good Detroit team. Um, So uh, Zadina was better served by being in the AHL. So um, he's there and um, uh, coming off his, his brilliant season in the queue and, and he'll have the opportunity uh, to learn from one of the best offensive players uh, in the AHL, and that's Chris Terry. Um, and so we'll be keeping an eye on that to see uh, to see how that works out for, for both of those players. Fantastic. And the other um, bit of news, we had talked about uh, players being exposed to waivers. Well, sometimes, as we saw with Cal Pickard, we saw with Curtis uh, mm-hmm. McElhaney, players get picked up. And, um, one of the better prospects um, on the Winnipeg Jets, that's Marco Dano, uh, was exposed to waivers uh, this past week, 23-year-old prospect. He was taken uh, in the first round in 2013 by Columbus. Um, he was picked up. He was claimed by Colorado um, rather than making his way to uh, the Manitoba Moose. Um, Winnipeg uh, is one of those teams that uh, has an abundance of prospects. Um, they needed room for Nick uh, Patan. Uh, Brendan Lemieux was waiver exempt, but they, they decided and has been a healthy scratch, but they decided to keep him um, with uh, the Winnipeg Jets and to make room for um, Nick Patan. Unfortunately, they had to put Marco Dano on um, on waiver. So uh, Dano has gone from Columbus to Chicago 
in the the sod trade and then uh, Chicago to Winnipeg in the large trade and now is making his way to Colorado and um and cuz they saw him as as maybe fitting into you know one of their middle six forward spots so um that's that we'll, we'll see if if uh, we'll see how that particular move works out for uh, for both teams there very good information and always good to keep uh, an eye on some things happening in the Western Conference as well. Um, Colorado Eagles, uh, kind of a new face this year. And so uh, interesting to see that they recognized some talent there. Um, and uh, interesting to see how that will shape up. And as we said, uh, with Della Rose on, on the waiver wire today, we'll, we'll all kind of wait with bated breath to see, uh, where he is actually going to be playing come come noontime tomorrow. Good information. Thank you very much, Rick, for that. Um, not so good information coming out of Flint this week. Um, the Flint Firebirds seem to always be in the news for not really great reasons. Um, and they're very, very, very young into their season And suddenly this week, uh, their head coach made an announcement that due to personal and family reasons, he was stepping down from his position effective immediately. And uh, the assistant coach, I believe, has has stepped in as interim head coach uh, and that the team was, quote, blindsided by the decision. Um, Rick, it's it's no, it's just there's just I don't know what's going on out there. Yeah, and um, you know, Will Bitten Bitten passed through that that system. Um, um, we know we 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 met some some people at the draft um, who work in that system, and and there's some good people, but uh, unfortunately, they're having their more than their share of troubles, and um, you know, uh, it's unclear what the what the reasons are here, but. Um, this early in the season has got to raise some uh, pretty big red flags uh, uh, with a team that already has lifted several red flags. Um, Yeah. We'll we'll have to keep an eye on what's going on there. Well, on the flip side of things, going from bad news to some good news, um, a familiar, I should say a familiar voice, to, to folks who have been uh, fans and followers of the Montreal AHL affiliate for the last couple of years. Um, as we, as most folks know, uh, hockey has returned to St. John's Newfoundland uh, this year with the Newfoundland Growlers coming to town this year uh, in the ECHL. Uh, and the home broadcasting team has been announced. Um, Chris Ballard, who was the uh, Brampton Beasts uh, play-by-play broadcaster, uh, is taking over play-by-play duties. But former Ice Caps broadcaster Brian Rogers, who is pretty much a legend in Newfoundland parts, uh, will be providing color commentary for all of the club's home games throughout this season. Um, and uh, we... Uh, we here at Rocket Sports Media are just thrilled to hear that Raj is going to be back on the airwaves uh, and back in a hockey rink. And we know Chris and and uh, and dealt with Chris uh, with with the Brampton Beasts and knew he mm-hmm. he wanted to get back out to uh, Newfoundland and so uh, good for him taking over the broadcast duties there. Uh, Raj, I mean, uh, as you said, a legend. Um, 
if if there was anyone who can put put a put color into a, a hockey game, that's Brian Rogers. That's um, right. He's going to be he's going to be great, and and he he has a connection, uh, a familiarity. He he knows everybody in in hockey, and uh, we saw in the first uh, Growlers report. Uh, Brian uh, interviewed head coach Ryan Klo and, and they've known each other for, for uh, a long, long time. And, and uh, uh, the, the conversation was very enjoyable. And, and I imagine he's going to bring that same personality to, to the broadcast. Couldn't be happier for Raj. Uh, great guy. Uh, and uh, going to be uh, great to have him. And, and I think for him, you know, the, the uh, AHL affiliates he's, he's been through, uh, through St. John's, there's there. Toronto was there, um, Winnipeg, and then Montreal, and and now he's back with the Leafs, and um, and I think uh, the Leafs teams uh, came closest in terms of being successful on the ice for him. Uh, so I think he's uh, he's pretty excited to get with uh, with their ECHL affiliate in in the Growlers. Um, so uh, dial him, uh, tune him in and and uh, and listen to Raj. It's it's going to be great. Absolutely. We're happy to, to, to have him back in the hockey rink. Uh, as far as hockey this week coming up, the Rocket Sports Media team will be busy as usual here at the AHL Report. Um, Laval has, I mentioned this earlier in the show, Laval has three games they are playing this week. They welcome the Hartford Wolfpack into the building tomorrow night, Wednesday night for a 7.30 puck drop. Uh, I will be covering Uh, that game for the AHL report and then Friday and Saturday uh, games Friday night and a Saturday afternoon matinee. Uh, The Springfield Thunderbirds will be in town and Chris G will have uh, our coverage here at the AHL report on those two games. Uh, In addition to that, we will also have some live coverage of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms this week on Friday night as they take on the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins at home. Uh, So we will have some coverage there for you as well. Uh, Always a heated, good division rivalry matchup there. So, Rick, it's uh, never a shortage of of hockey coverage here with the AHL report team and the Rocket Sports team. And it's going to be a great week ahead, I think. Absolutely. And if you if you like our coverage, if you like our podcast, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast uh, platform. Uh, all you have to do is search uh, for Rocket Sports Radio, Rocket Sports Radio, whether it's iTunes, whether it's TuneIn Radio, whether it's Stitcher, whatever whatever you choose, look for Rocket Sports Radio. You'll get our podcast from the press box, and you'll get the NHL um, Canadians Connection with uh, myself and, and Joe Whalen uh, that airs live on Saturdays. So, um, yep, subscribe, and, and, uh, and you'll never miss an episode. And you wouldn't want to because just like this show, every show is jam-packed with information, analysis, uh, plenty of you know, one or two opinions thrown in there, you know, um, but all, all really well laid out. And we certainly have a lot of fun bringing this show to you each and every week. Uh, Rick, thank you uh, for joining me again. Thank you on Bosses Day. Thanks for another great show. Um, and I'm looking forward to being back here again next week. Glad to be here. We'll see you next week. And keep on wishing. Remember your dreams is your only scheme. 
so keep on pushing. 